Yes, DJ, I did like that stat that you sent us about Kyle Hendricks. Tell us more about it. <laughs> uh, second best number of starts with three earned runs or fewer since May 25th, which is when Kyle, you know, just happened to start pitching again for the Cubs. Now, it doesn't say how many innings it had to go, and I think that's an important factor, but still impressive that he has 16 and nobody else has 16 uh, except for one person that is 18. Mr. Blake yeah. Snell. He, I, I, he doesn't seem like he's pitched that well. So I love it. It's a surprise. Yeah. I mean, I think last year it, it looked like we were so close to the end. And then he had the injury that mm. cost him a lot of time. And I remember his first start back this year. I think it was his very first start back was that one against the Mets uh, where he gave up like three long home runs in four innings or something, four and two thirds maybe. Um, and you just went, eh, well, we might've hit the end of the line here, but no, no, <laughs> he's managed to find a way, you know, it's, it's very like he was never a strikeout maven, even at his best. And now his strikeout rates really low by modern standards, but, um, uh, he's just doing that thing that a bunch of good pitchers did for like the entire 1980s. Uh, adjusted for era. That's what he's doing now. Everybody puts the ball in play against him, but nobody really hits it hard and he just gets outs, man. Yeah. I mean, he might be one of the three pitchers in a three-game series or three games to play in a playoff to determine who advances. Maybe. My gosh. How could he not be? I mean, who would even bump him out at this point? Um. Maybe, maybe if Stroman gets healthy, uh, but that even after a pretty good update today seems kind of dubious, right? Well, yeah, they said he's throwing. Throwing? Yeah, long toss. All right, we'll take it. Yeah, and if Assad keeps doing this, and oh, Assad, and, and we got the kid again on Saturday. I mean, steals the number one, and mm. then and then if you have Wicks, just his next three stars just continue to dominate then maybe maybe if those three things happen kyle is out again the wonder the wonders of cub fandom if we did this and if we did that (laughs) if larry bittner hits 28 homers i mean uh, let's pause a second though and and think like david ross here too Uh, first of all jordan wicks they're managing his innings kind of carefully he's going to chip in down the stretch here i think he's up for good but i also think they may skip him a start in the rotation. If they make the playoffs, they may say, you're our two-inning bridge guy when Kyle goes four and we need to get to the high leverage guys, something like that, rather than giving him a start in the playoffs um, just to keep his innings down and also because David trusts his dudes, his veterans. I, there's a reason Ian Happ is still hitting third, although he's warming up. We got to talk about that. He's hitting a lot better lately. Yeah, he is. But uh, – there's a reason he's hitting third and Jamer's hitting seventh, and it's that David trusts David's dudes, and Kyle Hendricks is one of David's dudes. So 
David's I, dudes. Yeah. Now, could that all be shaken up if the Cubs are the ones who successfully claim Lucas Giolito tomorrow morning? Maybe. Uh, it but, seems like I, I don't know. I don't know what's involved in in uh, waiver claims anymore, but that seems like uh, something the Cubs should do. I mean, that guy was <laughs> was pretty good, right? Yeah, I mean, there's a reason these guys are on are being waived by the Angels. The main reason is to dump their salaries, but also there's a reason why acquiring all of them didn't work to vault the Angels into playoff contention the way they hoped. It's they all have their warts. Uh, Giolito's have, having a second straight inconsistent season. There are reasons not to go get them. And there are money reasons specific to the Cubs that are going to make it tricky. Plus, the Cubs just are not very close to the front of the line uh, for this collection of players. A, a bunch of teams who are still in contention get a chance to claim them first. So that makes it tough. But I'm sure they have some level of interest and will put in a claim on at least one of them. Oh, oh, a, a couple episodes ago, and we were, or maybe it was, I don't know when it was, but I said something about um, bringing somebody up and then having them pitch really well like the, the, the Irish guy from way back when. Um, it turns out that was 2007, maybe? I don't remember. But uh, new boy, what's his name? Wicks, mm-hmm. um, was it's, I don't know. I can't remember what he did. But his uh, his entrance was the first time that that had happened since Ryan O'Malley was that name that I could not remember. Oh yeah, um, pitched that well back in I think it was two thousand seven or maybe it was I don't know when it was. But um, I had to bring that up because I. It, it, it showed up on television and I went, that's the guy. Was that just nine strikeouts in their first like debut start? I don't think so. No, it was just something else about, you know, coming up and pitching really well or, or uh, maybe it was, uh, I don't remember what it was, but the, the thing that one of the reasons that I'm thinking about this is then where did O'Malley go? He did not last, but this guy's got much more, Potential than O'Malley. O'Malley came kind of came out of the blue, didn't he? Yeah, O'Malley was uh, had basically no prospect pedigree, <laughs> whereas right. Wicks is a first round pick. And the charming thing about the Ryan O'Malley thing, the reason we all remember it is he not only like shut down the Astros, but did it over eight or maybe even it was, it was like eight and a third innings. Um, mm. And so big long start. Well, the reason it was this big, long start was that it was a true emergency. I think the night before they ended up going 17 innings or something, um, and they had to use the guy they were going to have start that day. And so it it was the classic uh, phone rings in a, a hotel room in Iowa at 3.30 in the morning, and the dude's <laughs> got to get up and, and beat the, the clock to the ballpark. Um, O'Malley was just the guy who happened to be on turn in the Iowa rotation. I think he only made two more big league starts after that. So mm. um, very different situations other than that the Cubs were kind of desperate for, for Wicks too. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a good Which memory, one? O'Malley. Yeah. But hopefully this is a very different thing than that. 
Well, yeah, this kid, I mean, he, he kind of looked Lester, like Lester out there. I mean, he was just, I mean, after that home run uh, and the discussion with Hadovy, he was just lights out. He was just, <laughs> I was really impressed. I hope to stay impressed. Well, he grew up, he says he grew up watching John Lester, paying close attention yeah. to him. So not a coincidence. Uh, some of the mechanical similarities and especially the the kind of attitude and the conviction you have to pitch with as a as a lefty without you know as a lefty starter especially you've either got truly devastating overpowering stuff or you've got to pitch with a lot of that sort of swagger and attitude of I know I can get inside on you with my fastball even though it's only 92 and yeah. I know that once I do that I've got you set up and I can throw that change up on the outside corner, even though in theory, if you were ready for it, you could hammer that pitch. Um, it takes a lot of mental toughness to be a lefty starter in today's game without elite stuff. And I think that's what we see. Uh, that's the Lester we see in him or in Justin Steele is uh, a lot of it is a mental game you have to win. Did any of you see his interview uh, the next day during the, the radio <laughs> podcast? I was just going to bring that up. Yeah, uh, Margie and I watched that. I mean, the the guy seemed like this was his 400th interview. I mean, he was like, to me, he seemed completely unfazed and just matter of fact, telling his story, answering the questions, just like cool under pressure. Yeah, he. Uh, Mar Margie said, he seems kind of boring. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. well, that's a good thing. We don't want to, you know, a 24 year old to come up and suddenly have all this money and be in Chicago and go out to the strip joints after the game. We want him to go home and go to bed and pitch again. Yeah. He's he was that... talking about how either his wife or his fiance or girlfriend yeah. is like, you know, telling him, hey, you know, you should probably <laughs> <start a> film. <laughs> yeah. Her dad's a, a, a scout or something like that. So she's, uh, yeah, she knows what she's talking about. Keep that boy in a straight and narrow. It was awesome. Yeah. He's got a, he's, he is not, it's not like he's not a good looking dude, but he's just got a very boring face. Almost <laughs> yeah. anything he says will, will <laughs> sound boring for a while. Well, now he's not coming on the podcast. So <laughs> there's a I'm Michael sorry, Douglas. There's a Michael Douglas movie where he, he kind of loses his mind. He's walking across town or whatever and, and ends up, I don't know, shooting people, whatever it was. But he looked like Michael Douglas in that movie. The dark glasses, the crew cut look. Uh, it just I mean, he looks like a cleaner version of Buddy Holly. Yeah, he, he's very just a, just a plain guy with not so plain stuff. And yeah, veteran poise, which I think they knew when they drafted him. It was part of what they liked about him. And that's why you have the confidence to bring that guy up in the heat of a pennant race and say, one of the spots in our rotation is yours, you know, unless maybe we claim Lucas Giolito. So. Even if we do, well, I mean, isn't Giolito a lefty? No, he's a righty. No, but, is he? Okay. Well, then uh, uh, all the better because then you get, you know, get uh, Steele and this kid on the left and, you know, Hendrickson, Giolito on the right. Although, you know, Giolito is a pipe dream at this point. Yeah. I mean, can't I, we just see Smiley less if we bring Giolito back? Yeah. Well, I hey, did a whole quit long... picking on Todd. <laughs> Speaking of 
uh, boring. I did a whole long <laughs> Twitter thread today that people can check on if they care about the real nitty gritty. But the Cubs are like right up against the luxury tax, right? And they don't want to go over it this year. And I'm all for the idea that they should just go over it every year. But I yeah. am very sympathetic to the idea that going over it now, just at the last second to add a couple of guys for one month um, who aren't even superstars, they're merely good contributors, would be kind of silly. So they're in this tricky spot where depending on the the bonuses that Cody Bellinger, Jan Gomes, and Drew Smiley can earn, they might have as little as like a million dollars to spend or as much as four million, um, which makes a difference when you're deciding who to put in a claim on, even if it's more likely that most of the guys you put a claim on are going to get scooped by someone higher up in the priority anyway. Um, The funny thing, though, is Smiley's got all these bonuses tied to innings pitched that you can stop him from meeting if you can bring in a pitcher who credibly sort of pushes him down the depth chart far enough, you know? So you can sort of play a game of, if I bring in Lucas Giolito, I'm really not going to need to use Drew Smiley at all the rest of the year. And that saves me $750,000. So it almost balances out what you're adding in in Giolito. So you got to spend money to make money kind of thing. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. See, That's the part that I, I, start to have trouble with because it's so cold hearted and you know smiley may not be pitching all that well now but he he got us through got us over a hump early on yeah uh april the hot start was too short to almost call a hot start but that hot start included some really good pitching from drew smiley and Mm. then he was one of the only things propping them up through a lot of may so kudos to him but you do have to, you know, when you get to this point in a season like this, either you start making some ruthless decisions or you don't get the most out of a potential playoff run. And then you feel bad, you know, afterward, you're going to feel worse about that than you do about having a tough conversation, even with a guy who got you this far. I think. I mean, I, I understand why the money comes into play, but haven't we always said with this team and the market that we'd rather just spend dollars than, than trading away young, you know, young guys to get other talent. We'd rather just spend money to get talent. So wouldn't this be a prime situation where we, where we should just overpay to get this seemingly cheap talent then where you don't have to get other young guys. Since it's not our money, I say yes. (laughs) <laughs> aren't, aren't we trying to win and also this doesn't mortgage the future so i don't i don't get it seems like a yeah no way. okay these are free guys from a talent perspective which is great yeah. you know august trades are abolished so all you can do is put in your claim hope they get to you and spend the money that they cost <clears throat> fine where it the question is they don't want to go over the luxury tax this year specifically because they know they're going to be going over it next year and probably the year after that. And the CBA, which I hate it. I don't like the way it's structured. I think it's anti-competitive in a market that should just be more competitive or we should have a cap and floor situation. But this 
we're in an up, unhappy medium here when it comes to that. But this is the way things are. If you are a second or third time luxury tax payer, the penalties get a lot stiffer. You pay a higher rate on your overages, plus you start to lose benefits like draft compensation for free agents who leave. You can get pushed back in the draft. Your actual draft position can be knocked down, stuff like that. Now, the Cubs aren't necessarily right on the doorstep of most of that happening, but they're looking a couple years down the road and saying, this was supposed to be our, our setting things up year. And next year's the year we splash even more money around. And the year after that, when we start after having to pay a guy like Justin Steele to keep him around, pay him the big bucks, we can do that if we didn't go over the tax in 2023. That's what the, the question is here. It's how much of how much future flexibility under the rules do you want to give up to maximize this team's potential? But again, it's it's hard to say how much these particular guys improve this team's potential. So you're right, though. I mean, they're in a position to win. They should be trying to win. No question about that. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, it might come down, too, to just how much do their scouts and their front office believe that one or two of these guys would alter the the landscape of the roster? Because uh, I, I don't know that. I think that with these particular players, you can have a wide gap in terms of how much you think that's true. Spend the money. <laughs> Again, <laughs> sure. And also, you know, we, we probably waste time kicking it back and forth too much just because the Reds are in front of the Cubs, the Giants are in front of the Cubs, the Twins are in front of the Cubs. There are a lot of teams that need exactly what these players are uh, who are going to get a crack, crack at them before the Cubs do. So it probably isn't going to matter, but we'll see. So explain to me why they're in, those teams are in front of the Cubs. They all have worse records because the oh, Chicago Cubs in the second half are – since the all-star break, the Cubs are a 108-win pace. That's the hmm. the way they've been playing. So now they're they're just too good to have a good waiver priority, uh, hmm. which is what they call in the business a good problem. Yeah. Well. So correct me if I'm wrong, but this, I mean, we're, we're all saying what happened without really talking about what happened, but the Angels just dumped everybody after going for it because they're trying to slash payroll and now lose more games. This cannot be all that common at this point in the year after a team just traded for these guys and went for it. Am I, am I missing this or is this like, it feels like it's not as big of a story as it should be. Yeah. Well, I think tomorrow when these players all get distributed on waivers, it's going to be a pretty big story. Um, it was a pretty big story when the news broke yesterday evening that they were out there. Um, it's an unusual situation. We have seen teams buy at the deadline, buy in July and sell in August before. It's just the dynamic has changed now that there's no August waiver trade period. And the Angels were such an unusual team. Most teams who buy in July are doing it because they're right in the thick of the race and you almost can't fall far enough out to be selling by the end of August. 
-hmm. occasionally a team would, but it didn't look like this because you didn't have a team like the Angels who really weren't in good position, but were so desperate because Shohei's hitting free agency at the end of the year that they spent a lot of capital to go add dudes. Uh, Well, those additions also pushed them over the luxury tax threshold. So they're doing the opposite of the, or the inverse of the calculations the Cubs are doing. By dumping all these guys, they get back under the tax. So that's why they're motivated to do this particular thing when otherwise, now that you can't even get anything in trade, teams would normally just hold on to these guys through this period. But yeah. Hmm. Well, so um, the looks like the Braves might win. So I think as Cubs fans for the rest of the year, we want to root for the Braves root against the Dodgers, root against the Orioles, with the hope that the Braves clinch the best record in the majors by the time they play the Cubs the second to last series of the season. Tom, you are you are far sighted. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say <laughs> that. that's entirely so you're, possible. You're wanting that to happen so they'll play their their nobodies, right? Is that what you're yeah, saying? that's right. Or four D chess. Uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah no you're right though uh that's that's the thing to to root for it's I, I think the braves will be playing for little enough by that point that you're just going to get a half-hearted effort from them anyway and the problem is in the era of 28 man september rosters instead of 40 man that doesn't mean you know that some guy from the very fringes of the roster who spent most of the year in double a is going to be batting cleanup in all likelihood it's just you'll get one extra day off for the catcher and you may get a a softer patch of the rotation because they want to set guys up for for the playoffs but um i just think you don't get that kind of post clinch you know all that kind of stuff that you did when it was 40-man rosters um but yeah, it'd be nice to get an unmotivated version of Atlanta for that series. Otherwise, it's all people the country are still competing with for the playoffs and then the Pirates and the Rockies. Uh, so what do we see in PCA? Give us your best guess. Maybe we won't see him. Yeah, I, I will say he is not exactly uh, giving them a good reason like He's not pushing the envelope the way he was even a week ago. He oh, went no, into really? a little slump, which is totally normal. The guys, yeah, true. you know, he's 21 or whatever. He's just been raking in double A, got promoted to triple A and kept going. Well, they there was going to be an adjustment period, but he kind of hit that at a bad time if you were going to call him up, I think. So maybe we don't see him or maybe we see him in the middle of the month after he goes through that adjustment period. And then only as a pinch hitter and a defensive sub and a pinch runner, especially. Yeah, that's uh, the thing. He'd be he'd be an excellent defensive, you know, late inning defensive sub and pinch running, especially with everybody stealing bases like crazy. He could be helpful, even if we don't even put him in a box. Yeah. Although, you know, and two, he would be great as a defensive sub because Cody and Talkman are good center fielders, but neither is like elite, right? That's one spot in the defensive group where they're more like solid average than great. PCA would 
would change that. But in terms of pinch running, A, the situations for that are sort of limited. B, yeah, Miles true. Mastroboni, I know he's not anybody's favorite no. or whatever. I, I just, <laughs> just, just want to note that the man is 10 for 10 stealing bases. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's, uh, you would think that after he laid down that heroic bunt, uh, with two strikes on it. Two right? strikes. Yes. That's when we true. Were, That's when true. we were there against the Nationals. Uh, that there would be no. a little less knowing every time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but he weighs he weighs 165 pounds and still can't hit his weight. So, uh, yeah, no. 20 pounds more than Morrell. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd yeah. be like 167 if he had his hair, but he keeps that shiny dome. That's... That's for the team. That's to make sure he's aerodynamic. So, just a good team player, top to bottom. That's let's good. Just, That's good. It's good to have up, people in the minors supporting us. Let's just the bring up where the they guy that, uh, Let's bring up the guy that just can't slump. He's allergic to slumping, and he doesn't care what level he's at. I mean, the guy that just got drafted, and now he's at double A. Might as well try him <laughs> in the majors. Yeah. So the Angels already did it, I think. Didn't the they just Angels did do it. And as oh, we've seen, right. everything the Angels are doing is working like a charm. So. Yeah, we got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, though, it is amazing. Shanuel is working for the Angels. He's got like an 860 OPS or something. He's batting Jeez. leadoff for them every day and just hitting. In the is major, he really? Gosh. In is... his draft year. It is nuts. He's, he's, he's 17 or 18? No, no. He's, he's a college guy, so I think he's 21. But, so who's the guy who played this year? Who was I want to? I swear there's a guy who's 17 who played. Uh, he's not in the majors yet. You're thinking of Ethan Salas. He's a catching prospect for the Padres. Oh, but oh. he started the year in Low A, which was already audacious because in the spring he was 16. He turned 17 during Jeez. the summer, went Holy up to crap. High A and hit decently, and then now, uh, sometime earlier this month, they pushed him to Double A as a catcher. At 17. That is but, nuts. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, the minor leagues are smaller now, right? We don't have this big network of rookie ball teams. And, you know, there's the complex leagues. And then there's four full season affiliates. That's all you get. <clears throat> and Yeah, but that just means it's tougher for a 16-year-old to break in. In theory, it does. But in practice, I think what it's doing is forcing teams to say, you're good. You're not being challenged by the level of competition at, you know, on at our spring training complex and playing other teams' spring training groups. Uh, we're going to challenge you with a full season assignment at 17, 18. Obviously, Salas is still an outlier, but it's made possible by the fact that more and more guys. The Cubs have uh, Jefferson Rojas is a an 18 year old shortstop in Myrtle Beach right now. That was unthinkable not that long ago, but now he's he's still very young for the level, and it's very impressive what he's doing, but also there's a handful of other 18-year-olds in low eight playing pretty well. Um, it's just kind of becoming a thing. They don't, they don't have those short season leagues out in Boise and Everett and Missoula to, to stick people on, so the game's changing a little bit. Mm-hmm. 
I wonder if that does that affect. I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody in the past that may have had a chance back then that may not have had a chance now because of the smaller uh, and and someone who you know somebody like uh, what was Piazza? He was like drafted like eighteen millionth or whatever. Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, is he Hall of Famer? I don't know if he is or not, but he's, he had a damn good career. Would he have even made it? I think there is a much bigger risk of guys who might eventually have figured it out being flushed out of pro ball before they can. Interesting. Uh, yeah. At least on a macro level. But then on the micro level, those same types of guys, people like Max Muncy, uh, was like 26. And... Which Max Muncy? Wait, we got two of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an important <laughs> distinction. The one who is currently a multimillionaire Oh, okay. Perennial 30 homer slugger in the majors. Oh, he was like a 26 year old nobody in the A's system. They traded him to the Dodgers and then the Dodgers stashed him in the minors for a year. You'd run out of time, at, you know, time before someone's displacing you doing that. You're, you're more likely to in today's game. But yeah. Muncie's hmm. also more likely to find that organization who knows that there's something to fix. Teams are smarter that way. So guys don't slip through the cracks as much just because either you're going to get to the right organization and they're going to fix you, or you're not going to find the right organ. You might end up in independent ball or in Korea, like Eric Thames did five, six years ago, but then you'll fix yourself and put up huge numbers in a foreign league and get a second chance or you'll find a, a private hitting coach, one of these, you know, gurus or a private pitching coach, or you'll go to drive line, whatever it is, but there are all these tech fueled, um, new wave kind of ways to reinvent yourself. And teams are open-minded to that. If you come to them with, this is why I'm a different player than the guy on my, you know, on my baseball card or my baseball reference page, teams sort of listen to that. So there's a, uh, back and forth to that but you're right that the journeyman minor leaguer is not going to be as much of a thing anymore um, so has that void been filled uh by independent teams or, or yeah. foreign teams yeah yeah a lot of the teams that got disenfranchised as affiliated minor league teams didn't cease to exist they became independent leagues and in some cases even partner leagues to mlb where like the atlantic league they do wacky stuff that might eventually be a rule change in MLB. They tried moving the mound back in the Atlantic League Whoa. two years ago or, or last year. Um, so they're like kind of like feet. experimenting <laughs> there. And, you know, you're still playing for decent crowds. Scouts will still come see you occasionally. You're not, you don't belong to a team. And there's a reason you're there instead of on one of the teams that does belong to a team. But you're not completely out of the sphere of professional baseball. So, yeah, those, the infrastructure still exists. It's just less centralized, maybe, or maybe more centralized in a less labor-friendly way. I'm not sure. Um, I don't so today's get... Mike Piazza could end up end up catching up for the Savannah Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> they they do they still they had a like a competitive team too. There was the the 
wild Harlem Globetrotters team. And then there was also this like, this is the Savannah Bananas who travel around and play serious baseball. Oh, yeah, I have no idea. So, yeah, maybe, but probably not on the ones that maybe probably not on the more famous Savannah Bananas. How about that? Yeah. Well, we got most of the way through the podcast without talking about the Cubs taking two out of three from the Brewers this week. Yes. The biggest series they've had in multiple years, however you want to count it. Uh, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> and, yeah, it was. and specifically, I felt so good about them just earning these games and this atmosphere. We talked about that on Sunday night, right? But it would have felt pretty empty if you earned all of that and then just laid an egg like they did in 2019 right, when yeah. they had a chance to catch the Cardinals, like they did down the stretch in 2018. Um, this felt really good to bounce back from that Monday night loss and take a couple of really close games. They weren't all that pretty, but you scratched out and you, you know, Nico Horner laid down his first sacrifice bunt ever and ever. Won the wow. series. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was, it was good. They, they came back uh, from that loss the first game and, and played really well and especially pitched really well. And, uh, and I tried to rub it in on one of my Brewers fan friends and, uh, he came back with, well, we still have a three-game lead, so shut up. Yeah, I mean, for sure, but three games is within sweep range. Of, yeah, it's not five. You know, for that six. final series. And really, if you even just make up two games, you know, make up two games between now and then, and then beat them two out of three, right. and you tie them, and the Cubs would then have the, the tiebreaker. Yeah. That's why winning this series was so important, because now – if you win that last series, you also have the season tiebreaker. So a tie goes to you for the division title. Um, wow, true. Plus, and the other thing is they knocked them off that, that streak. Would they have nine straight or eight straight? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they knocked them off of that and hopefully knock them off their, their flow a little bit. Yeah. So now well, they got a streak going. The nice yeah. thing about this big, wacky wild card system is it just feels like there's always two teams that the Cubs uh, need to have lose playing each other. Last week, it was Phillies Giants and then Diamondbacks Reds. Uh, first part of this week, it was Reds Giants. And now this weekend, it's going to be Brewers Phillies. All the Cubs have oh, to do is keep awesome. taking care of business. Wow. They will automatically pick up a game on somebody they want to pick up a game on every day if they win. So mm, just keep nice. winning. Yeah, and they're slowly building a cushion in the wild card, which of course we want the division, but that's that's nice to have that. Yeah. yeah. Even that, I, I don't love the idea of having to go to Philadelphia for a best of three uh, and potentially not getting any home games in your playoff run if you don't beat the Phillies in Philly. Yeah. Uh, but if that's how it goes, then that's how it goes. And they really do look like they're well positioned to get that second wild card and picked up ground on the Phillies today. So only two games back of them. Now the Phillies already have the tiebreaker over the Cubs. So really you're three games back of them. You got to finish it. Yeah. But that's okay. Just again, maybe the Brewers jump right back on the horse and uh, sweep the Phillies at home this weekend. And then if the Cubs win three out of four in Cincy, They've already <laughs> caught and passed the Phillies. 
They'd be so in that then, first wild card spot. So, so then who are we pulling for? The the Brewers or the or the Phillies? <laughs> yeah. Again, it just doesn't matter. It doesn't either one because it, I want the division because I'm still old yeah. fashioned and I want yeah, the same division here. to matter. Yep. Um, Plus it uh, gives me, the Wisconsin boy, uh bragging, bragging rights, rights over. Yeah. 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 That's very important too. It is uh, for me anyway. Being shallow and self centered. Being <laughs> the worst division winner. And being the first wild card winner are treated the same in this what in this playoff system. True, yeah. Host the best of three in e- with either status. So if you get to that first wild card, you have to worry way less about winning the division than if you're the second or third wild card. Okay. So just keep winning. Yeah. Yeah. I heard on the radio today we we our last 13 series were 11, 1, and 1. Yeah. And I like nice. when we, if we have to lose any, I like losing that first game because the other team's like, all right, we can do something here. And then we just sweep out the rest of the series. That's beautiful. That's been your yeah. mantra lately. Yeah. Win the first, lose the first, win the series. Yep. Yeah. It's working. Now you should stop going to that first game in the series. I really should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple of losses that way lately. I think you should continue doing it the rest of the year, Tom, as long as it keeps working. <laughs> yeah, right. As long as they win the rest of the games, right? Because that's yeah. part of the formula. I stay home and then they win. So, And DJ, keep wearing your first game of the series underwear at, yeah. at the start of every series. <laughs> I know you've been that's... diligently doing that and it's working. So, I thought you quit wearing underwear altogether. <laughs> I've been wearing my Julian Merriweather Oh, underwear. are you now? Okay. Yeah. Good. That's finally came uh, uh, in from Amazon. Did you... <laughs> Is okay. Julian jockeys. You know how <laughs> we were we were just ranting about the bullpen not that long ago. That was uh, you, not us. Yeah, uh, well, maybe, maybe. Yeah. But I know Matt specifically said, "I can't even figure out who David Ross likes more, Lighter or Merriweather." And then what does he do the last two games? Just flips them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. He went lighter Merriweather yesterday, and then today he went Merriweather lighter, which oh, I loved it. I mean, I didn't love it, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, he's playing with you, Matt. (laughs) Hey, he can keep. Okay, this is a story for another time. We're just about out of time, but uh, yeah, he can keep doing that for all I care. Just keep winning. They've been doing it, and they just need to keep it up. Take care, everyone. We'll talk to you next week. Later, boys. Okay, bye-bye.